Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and I'm very happy to be joined today by my friend Eric Kareen, who covers the Raptors and uh, all forms of basketball for the National Post in Canada. Eric, how are you? I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? I'm pretty good. Now, you don't know this really, though I think we might have talked about it a little bit, but you were a huge thorn in my side getting this podcast started because... <laughs> um, Eric, Eric, and Holly McKenzie do uh, the excellent Post Up podcast, right? Or is it the Post Up? Yes. What is the na- What is the exact name? So uh, I don't screw I it up. Think it's, uh, what is that? I think it's the Post Up. I think it's the Post Up. Yeah, it's an excellent podcast. You guys should definitely listen to it. But in the production and the creation of this podcast, there was various legal. Uh, wranglings over the logo of the podcast looking too much like eric's logo and the name potentially being too similar to eric's name so it was a uh it was a long and arduous process but um i'm very happy that we didn't have to have any uh any wars between countries to get the podcast started and now we uh yeah, it's, enough, we, it's enough with the nba's conspiracy against canada we don't need any more you know no no we we can't have any more nba conspiracies about against canada which as uh as someone who covered the uh the nets raptors playoff series has been around toronto a little bit there are many there are many many conspiracy theories by uh by the fan base up there but not from eric kareen who is, does an excellent job covering uh covering all forms of basketball in canada and um yeah. Speaking since since we are kind of talking about that in general, um, let's let's start with something that's a little off topic from the Raptors, which is the All Star Game. Um, in a few weeks, uh, Toronto is going to be the home of the 2016 All Star Game. I I'm pretty sure it's the first All Star Game that won't be played in the United States. Um, not 100 percent positive of that, but I think it's the case. And you know what? What well, is there was, the, there was the one in Las Vegas, and nah. <laughs> yes, that is true. Vegas is its own thing. But um, what what is the mood in uh, what is the mood in Toronto right now um, about the All Star Game? Is it, it, are people excited about it, or is it something that you know once we get a couple days away, people are going to go, oh, there's going to be an All Star Game here this weekend? Yeah, like I don't know if there's a huge buzz yet. Um, I think it's also sort of the way it went last year, and, and not that this is the same thing necessarily, but there was a huge push to get Kyle Lowry to start last year, and then that happened, and then the Raptors sort of fell off the table immediately after. So I think like anything, for Raptors fans at least, and that's not necessarily what you're talking about, but the focus is very much on the team and how the progress is going with them. But for the city, I don't know. It's a big city. So there are sort of events here every weekend, like big events here every weekend or every other weekend. Uh, but, you know, the emails are slowly flooding into my inbox. And uh, I think it's definitely maybe a bigger party than than people sort of expect. I, I think we had the NHL All-Star Game 15 or 16 years ago, and it definitely dwarfs that. Uh, and, you know, this is, NBA players love this city, right? Like if, if it were 75 or 80 degrees in January instead of 25, that would probably be a pretty hot free agent uh, destination. Uh, you know, great food and uh, great clubs and great nightlife and great everything. So I, I have little doubt that it's going to be one of the more successful All-Star Weekends in, uh, in recent memory. But, you know, we're still, I think we need a few more weeks before we can really get to the buzz that's going to be around us. Yeah, and I agree on Toronto. Um, I've I've vacationed in the city. I, it's one of my favorite cities in the world to go to. Um, it's a it's a really terrific place, and um, and I agree. I think if it was you know if it was a, a few you know long you know few miles south you know or maybe more than a few in a more of a warmer climate <laughs> with the same exact city, it would be a it would be a city that anyone would want to live in. Um, yeah, you know, and 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 certainly would be a destination, but. Um, and one one more thing, kind of along this topic, you know, obviously hockey is Canada's sport, and basketball is you know kind of trying to establish itself there. Um, you know, being there for the playoffs, it in in the spring a couple of years ago, it was hard to get playoff basketball games on TV there. 
Um, and I don't mean like changing from a hockey game. I mean actually getting them on television because there weren't there just weren't many games on. Um, with with guys like Andrew Wiggins and Tristan Thompson and you know kind of this this new group of young Canadian stars that are coming into the league. Um, do you do you think that this that having the All Star Game is important for Canada as it tries to, you know, raise the level of interest in the sport to you know obviously it's never going to reach hockey's level but to make it more of a you know a, a mainstream sport in the country. Yeah, like I I think it can't do anything but help. But I'm a bit you know it's such a one time event. And it's very, it's not a nationwide thing. It's Toronto. And I won't get into the whole sort of Canadian identity thing, but Toronto sometimes feels very adrift from the rest of the country. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know how much it's really going to make a difference in terms of that. Uh, with television, it's always what drives ratings. Uh, if you have a big enough cable package, you can usually find a, you know, a fair share of basketball games. Uh, the things that have sort of hurt, you know, capitalizing on this influx of talent, I would say, or, you know, the Canadian teams uh, failing to qualify last summer at the FIBA Americas and can only be viewed as, uh, for the Olympics, I should say. Uh, you know, that was... Right, losing, losing to Venezuela yeah. in the yeah. championship game with, with Grievous yeah, Vasquez was, not was, even uh, playing, which was yeah. just a stunning it, loss. It was, yeah, it was the semifinal, but there were two births. So oh, that's that was, right. No, you're you know, right. That you're was right. effectively the championship. And after losing the opening game to Argentina in that tournament, Canada was just rolling teams. Like they, they were like, they looked like the Golden State Warriors of that tournament, more or less. Maybe not the exact same way that we're doing it, but like fast pace, killing you with numbers. Uh, you know, defensive monsters, super active, and 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 they just fell apart in this game and looked like they were totally overwhelmed by the moment and ended up losing uh, on last second free throws on what was a controversial call, but you can't even get too mad about it right. because played such a, you know, it was like a D minus effort for them. So, yeah, they never should have been in that spot, like you said. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then the other thing is the Raptors have, you know, they had like the, the, the series you covered and you'll remember covering it. That arena was you know, jacked. It was, and I don't think the ratings, the TV ratings for hockey level or even Jay's level this past summer, uh, or this past summer and fall, but it was, you know, it was a thing that people were definitely talking about, sort of 2 or 2A. And then last year, the Raptors sort of plateaued and even took, you know, a half step back, and there's definitely a widespread skepticism about the team. And that sort of, you know, if there's going to be this movement uh, and something that really makes inroads compared to the other sports, not that it's you know a competition necessarily, but you need that to you need to push. Whether it's from Wiggins becoming a real superstar, which he's not he's rookie of the year, but you know he's still probably still a few years away from that, or the Raptors making the legitimate run at the conference finals, or you know the Canadian Olympic team being you know, in the Olympics at the very least before we start having bigger conversations than that, you need one or two of those things to sort of happen. Uh, and they haven't. And I, I should use this opportunity to shout out the Canadian women's team, actually. Uh, who did qualify for the Olympics and are, uh, I think they finished fifth in the world last time around. And I wouldn't say they're likely to finish in the medals in Rio, but they're, you know, a fringe contender and a really dynamite team. Yeah, no, they are, and if they finish fifth, I mean, they finish fifth, like you said, and and if you finish fifth in the world, there's no reason you can't finish, you know, third in the Olympics, especially because there's less yeah. teams in the world and you in the Olympics, and usually not as high a quality, um, yeah. because of the weird uh, qualifying rules, which is why Canada might not um, make it unless they have a a big summer in qualifying this year. But um, to to go back to one point you made, uh, being at that Raptors Net series two years ago. I mean, I, I told people for a long time that I, I covered, you know, two of the three best series in those first two years I was covering the Nets in 2012-13 and 13-14. Uh, Nets-Bulls, the first year was crazy um, on a lot of levels. That was the series the Walt Dang had the 
um, crazy spinal tap and like was yeah. in the hospital forever, and they had the triple overtime game where Nate Robinson scored five billion points in, in the overtime periods. Um, and that whole series was nuts. And the the single craziest playoff series I've ever covered is Nets Raptors. I mean, that was from Masai Ujiri yelling expletives about the other team on the state on the plaza outside the stadium before the arena before game one. Um, to the horn not working on the shot clock horn. during the game and having having the play, the the PA announcer you know calling out actually calling out horn uh, during the game to um, to the, the media in Toronto killing Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett for being old all the time including I think the Sun wrote, ran a a dinosaur uh, back page with you know them them on you know, some Jurassic Park back page at one point and then. You know, the Nets winning at the buzzer uh, with Kyle Lowry's shocking block by Paul Pierce in Game 7. But just before that, Darren Williams took two free throws. And when you mentioned the, the arena being loud, I've never been in an arena yeah. that was as loud as when Darren Williams took those two free throws with like 16 yeah. or 17 seconds left. It was an unbelievable yeah. atmosphere. He took those free throws. I think he missed the first and made the second. Yeah. And I know. I know this not to be true. But then there's part of the brain that's like, I'm pretty sure the noise in that arena caused him to miss the first one. No question. Like, like, like you, I mean, I don't believe it, but I do believe it. Oh, but I do for sense, sure. The place was yeah. actually shaking. It was yeah. unbelievably like loud. I, I, for, for comparison's sake, I, I covered game five of the Blue Jays Rangers playoff series this year, the one with the Jose Bautista backflip. Yes. Uh, and, and that's with you know, 45, 50,000 people. And it's a different venue. Uh, and, it, like, it is the coolest sports moment I've ever covered. But I'm pretty sure, like, in terms of just loudness, that the or that the Air Canada Center that, that afternoon was louder than the Rogers Center uh, about, you know, a year and a half later. Uh, it was just, that building was shaking. It was, it was special. No, it really was. And so now let's let's transition to the current to the current Raptors who, you know, you mentioned you mentioned last year, you know, they you know, two years ago they win the Atlantic Division for the first time in a while and they um you know, they they get against the Nets in the first round. They lose a hard-fought series. They bring everybody back. You know, they they get off to a great start, then they kind of plateau. Um they end up facing the Wizards in the first round. They get swept. Um you know, now they go out this summer. They add Damari Carroll. They add a bunch of uh, defensive. You know, they get Corey Corey uh, Joseph, um, a Canadian point guard who was playing for the Spurs. Um, give them another defender on the wings. They they made a, a concerted effort to make their defense better. And you know, so far they're off to a pretty good start. They're they're twenty two and fifteen um, at the time of recording on Thursday morning, and um, you know, playing pretty well. And you know, from your standpoint following along with the team, you know, where do you see this group at right now? And, and do, is it, it, do we know yet if they have a chance to be any different than the team they were each of the last couple seasons yet? Well, the last question first, I don't think we know. Uh, I think there's going to be skepticism until the playoffs and well-deserved skepticism because of how last year ended. And, the biggest thing they changed is adding Damari Carroll. And now Damari Carroll's out for, you know, we don't we don't have a timeline, but we can probably say six to eight weeks, two months, somewhere in that range. Uh, after having arthroscopic knee surgery, uh, they haven't revealed precisely what was wrong with it, if anything was found, but he's not going to be back in the short term, certainly. And that was sort of supposed to change their identity a little bit, right? Like, they're supposed to be a tougher team. They're supposed to be better defensively, especially on the perimeter, which was a huge problem last year for them with Kyle Lowry carrying such a big load offensively. He just didn't have as much to give defensively. And then you had, uh, you know, Travis Vasquez and Lou Williams eating up big minutes, and they just aren't physically gifted to defend like that. And they were just getting blown by every other possession, which is, you know, not a good way to, right. to build a, an right. NBA defense. And, and, you know, anecdotally, and even by the numbers, they've been better this year, even with Carroll missing 13, now 14 games, and generally being unhealthy when he did play. 
uh, isn't better. Corey Joseph will help. I think you know, Corey Joseph is sort of in a bit of a lull right now, but overall he's been pretty solid and steady for the team. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan, uh, is, he basically had his best, best month as a pro in December, getting to the line nonstop more than anybody but Harden pretty much. Uh, and he generally knows how he's not the best wing defender either, but generally knows how to direct people at the very least. Uh, Kyle Lowry had a great first month, but then you see moments like the end of the Chicago game. Uh, that's the one where Jimmy Butler scored 40 points in the second half, uh, and the Bulls came back to, to win by, by a bucket. And you talk about the defense, and they gave up 115 points, so you understand, and the next night they gave up 122 to Cleveland, and that stuff is scary, but but really what worried me more than anything uh, was the offense at the end of that Chicago game. You had sort of a Kyle Lowry turnaround jumper off of no ball movement, a Lowry running layup off of one pass, a DeMar DeRozan drive off of one pass. And, and like these are very much possessions that they would have had last year when the offense withered and died in the playoffs because they just couldn't move the ball effectively. So I think to answer your question as long as possible, (laughs) (laughs) I come to a conclusion. Uh, I think they're overall, you see signs of a more balanced team, but there's still enough flashbacks to who they were last year that were nowhere near a definitive answer. And beyond that, the East is such a mess. How could you be a definitive answer? Right. Right, it's a total mess. Now, I want to get back. That's a really great point about DeRozan and Lowry that I want to get back to in a minute. But I, I want to talk to you about this Damari Carroll thing first. Um, you know, like you said, he was kind of the signature signing for the Raptors um, this summer. You know, Toronto's never been a a big free agency destination. And Carroll was outstanding last year for the Hawks, one of the best 3 and D guys on the market. Um, what was unbelievable in the playoffs. It was the best player probably for them in the playoffs, won them their first-round series against the Nets. They would not have beat the Nets if Damari Carroll hadn't been incredible in that series, which sounds silly to say, but um, he was I mean, he was by far their best player and destroyed the Nets, and he played incredible against the Wizards, too, in the second round. And the Wizards go out on the first day of free agency. They give him a four-year contract for $60 million, blow everybody out of the water. Um, Messiah Jerry gets, gets his guy. Um, like you said, gives them a defensive guy in the wings, gives them a guy that can allow them to play small ball um, as a power forward, which was kind of a weakness for them in the past. Um, but then, you know, he hasn't really been right for a while. He gets shut down for a few weeks with a bruised knee. Um, then he comes back, plays a few games, and now he has this kind of mysterious surgery where, like you said, the Raptors didn't release a timetable, though it does seem like, you know, by – all accounts, it seems like it's going to be probably a couple months. And they haven't really said what's the matter with them. Um, how much of a concern is this that it does seem like there isn't, there, 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 there is so much uh, uh, opaqueness about Carroll's situation with his knee and, and where, where his health status is going forward, given he is a guy that was supposed to be such a game changer for them? Uh, well, I mean, we're talking about two different things. There's Carol's health, which is a concern, and there's the amount of transparency they're showing, which is predictable. <laughs> I think, like, oh, okay. we both we both covered enough physic uh, or you know medical staff and dealt with medical staff enough that they don't like their stuff examined, especially like amateurs <laughs> by amateurs like you and you and me. Sure. Right? So. I think they probably know more, of, not probably, they definitely know more what's going on with his knee. Uh, and, and you can even sense that like, he knows more what's going on. Like After that Chicago game, which was the last game he played before the surgery, he must have said five or six times, I can't say what I really want to say, meaning there's something wrong and I can't talk about it because the organization doesn't want me to talk about it. Uh, so... You know, I, it's frustrating that we can't know exactly what's going on because I think that would cause everybody to calm down a little bit. <laughs> but I get that. I get why 
you know, doctors and traders wouldn't want their techniques and their decisions uh, combed over by us. Uh, but there is a legitimate concern that, you know, this guy who they're depending on so much for their identity isn't going to be right for the rest of the year. Like, even if he can get back physically, uh, and that remains to be seen, he's going to have, what, two months or six weeks to try and acclimate to a team that he never looked comfortable with, really, uh, to start the year after, like, a, a fine preseason. Like, that's not that much time, especially after spending the last few years in or with a team that's far more adept at moving the ball and defending on a string and all, you know, the good things that us NBA nerds like to talk about, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, so it's enough time, you would think, if, if, if he does go by that timeline and back by the end of February or the beginning of March, but then the rest of the team's going to have to adjust to him too. But, you know, when you look at the options to replace him, and it will be Terrence Ross and James Johnson for the most part, he is sort of like the best of both of those players, right? He can hit, he can hit shots like Terrence Ross can, and he can defend physically like James Johnson can. So I think they know that for them to have a much different state than last April, they're going to need them. Uh, so, yes, there is concern, but there's also reason to expect that it's going to be okay. But, uh, and beyond that, the concern is that this guy is so tough and loves playing so much that he tried probably to play through a, a little too much. Uh, he tried to play through some pain to the extent you can admire, but ultimately you need him to be a bit more clear with the training staff. Uh, so I think there's a bunch of things going on with that situation, and it's good that he got tickets taken care of now. But, and Kyle Lowry said this to my colleague Ryan Wolfsack of the Sun yesterday. He was, even Carol was maybe kicking himself a bit at not getting it looked after a bit earlier than he ended up doing. So, there's a lot going on. Yeah, no, clearly. Um, but I, I, I and I, I do want to, I do want to get back to Lowry and DeRozan though, because, um, you know, in many ways, you know, the, the Raptors of these last couple years have been defined by, those two guys and yeah. you know really you can you can go back to when uh james dolan said th- <laughs> that the knicks were not going to trade a first round pick um i believe in 2018 for kyle lowry um yeah. right after they the raptors had traded rudy gay in that 2012 oh, yeah. um, this is all an accident this is all an accident <laughs> right right about. right i mean masai ujiri comes in uh in 20 2013 right uh, yeah, right. the summer of 2013. Right, before yeah. that net series. He comes in that summer. He trades Rudy Gay on a, a big move to the Kings for a bunch of bunch of smaller pieces to get out from Gay's contract and, and to start breaking the team up. And has a deal ready to trade Kyle Lowry. James Dolan, who was gun-shy after making the Andrea Bargnani trade a year earlier. Um, or a, few, a, a few months earlier, I should say. Right, after giving up a first-round pick for him, says, no, we're not doing this. Um, and then the Raptors go on this, you know, they go on this huge run and they've been very good really ever since. And a lot of that has been predicated on Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan making shots and, and making plays for them on, on the perimeter. And you mentioned how, you know, in that Chicago game, it kind of turned into those two guys running ISO sets and just trying to score. And, um, do you, uh, it, this is, this is probably too big of a question at this point, but do you think that this group is kind of fundamentally, um, fundamentally at a, can only reach a certain level because of the way those two guys play? And because of that, do you think that if, like, do you think that unless they get to, say, the conference finals this year and clearly take a step forward, that it's going to be hard to justify giving DeRozan the kind of money they're going to need to to keep him when he hits free agency this summer? Yeah, I mean, you've just tended or, or got at sort of the biggest question here, right? Is what can this team do with 
those guys in the middle of it. And I'd add Coach Green Casey, except I don't like, you know, you can replace them with a different coach, but you're still going to have the same talent to work with and the same basic foundation. But like, those are sort of the three biggest constants over the last few years are Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Dwayne Casey. Yep. And over and over, we've seen them sort of revert to the style of play. Uh, and that's where Damari Carroll was supposed to sort of help. And we've seen it at some points and we've not seen it at other points. Uh, to make a long soliloquy shorter, uh, I think it would really be tough to bring all three of those guys back if they go out in the first round again, even if, you know, they get the right matchup and advance to the second round and look totally overmatched. I think that would probably be a tough sell. The DeRozan contract is interesting because it's not an, as you know, it's not an either or scenario. It's not like you give him $22 million a year. It's just, it's, on a quick tangent, it's so bizarre to talk about what guys are going to make from now on because it doesn't mean what, you know, it even meant eight months ago. Right. So, the jump in the I, salary I cap, was, uh, the jump in the salary cap yeah. is going to really screw people up this summer because, yeah. like, for instance, yeah. uh, not, we'll get back to, I'll, I'll let you finish in a second, yeah. but DeMar DeRozan's going to get a max contract. And in the past, yeah. that has meant somewhere like four for $80 million. This year, yeah. it's going to be four for like $115 million. Yeah. And and people are going to, their eyes are going to bug out of their heads. But the bottom line is that's just where the finances are. So, and, yeah. and that's going to impact, and that has to, I think, impact what Toronto's thinking is with him too. Yeah. Um, but getting back to that, like it's not an either-or scenario. You can't spend $25 million on DeMar DeRozan or $25 million on someone else or some other people. Right, like a because that's not how the salary cap works. Right. Um, I really think that Demar Derozan will be back as a Toronto Raptor next year. You do? Uh, I'm prepared, really? I'm prepared. I'm prepared to be wrong about that. Uh, people. That is not the answer I was okay. expecting. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So why do you think yeah. that? Well, I know. Oh, I just think he's come to represent a lot of what this organization is about. Uh, and he loves this city and this organization. And there are maybe, you know, moving Kyle, for example, or moving some of the picks that they, and, and they are currently up to first round picks. Uh, you should remember, and that can change things. Right. Including what? Deadline, or having, yeah, the next one, uh, it will be the less desirable of the next. Or Nuggets pick this year, so which looks like it'll probably be a pick. right. Which looks like it'll probably be a border, you know, somewhere around the tenth pick in the draft, which is pretty yeah, good like for late, a team late, that's in the playoffs. Well, yeah, late lottery is what we're looking at right now, unless the Knicks continue to beat literally everybody on their schedule. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, assuming that doesn't happen, yeah, like a late lottery pick is nice, and I believe uh, what's the other pick? Uh, I think it's two thousand. Uh, don't fault me. 2017, maybe Eagles Clippers or Mavericks pick. They have the Clippers uh, pick was, next year. Yeah, either this yeah, year or it might be the Clippers pick this year or next year. Isn't it the Clippers okay, pick this year? For, uh, I can't remember. I think no, it's. I think they have the Clippers pick this year from in the Grievous Vasquez trade that was originally sent to Milwaukee yeah. in the Jared Dudley trade and JJ Redick signed yeah. the trade a couple of years ago. That, that was a steal, by the way. Not that Grievous doesn't have his. Sure marriage, was. That but, was a great trade by Masai. Uh, Great yeah. trade. Um, anyway, I think there are enough ways to improve the team around DeMar, maybe, and and by continuing to keep some flexibility uh, that maybe very surprised that he won't be back with Strong, but I'd currently lean like maybe 60-40, 65-35 that he'll be back because I think if you let him go, then... You're at an obvious talent deficit, and I'm not sure this organization, given the last few years, is ready to go there because it's going to take it's going to take some effort to actually bottom out at this point. Uh, so I'm guessing he's back, and yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with his situation. And when and when you say that he's back, 
Does that mean that you think that, and you mentioned how much, and I do know how much he likes the city. He clearly enjoys playing there. He's become, he has kind of become the face of that team in many ways. Um, well, he and Lowry. Um, do you do you think that he would come back because he'd be willing to take a little less to stay? Or do you think that, in your mind, given where his standing is, that Toronto would be willing to match an offer from somebody else in order to keep him? I don't think it's out of the question that he would take a few billion dollars off to stay here. Uh, I just, I think they'll both see it as the best option for them until the Raptors prove they're like a major free agent draw. And again, they can't offer his money to just anybody. They can only offer it to him. Uh, uh, I think they're going to sort of continue to, have this marriage, and I think it's in a lot of ways it's been successful. We get caught up talking a lot about what DeMar can't do. Uh, you know, he's not the world's best defender. He's not, you know, sort of a natural... He hasn't proved his, his playmaking, but that's sort of only, not necessarily the swing path, it's mostly him driving and finding, you know, a kick-out option, and he's Certainly, he's shown a bit of promise recently from the corners for three, but he's not a three-point shooter. Uh, but, you know, the last two years have shown he can be one of the biggest pieces of a really successful offense. And, I, I mean, you can talk about whether that transfers to the playoffs or not, but they were, what, third last year in offensive efficiency? I don't know where they are right now, but it's up there again. Right now, I believe they're sixth. I'm checking right now, but I'm pretty sure it's he's six. They are it, six. Right? Yep, he's a huge yeah. part of it. He's he's probably outside of James Harden. He's probably the best guy getting the foul line in the league mm-hmm. from the perimeter. Yeah, and again, you don't get as many calls in the playoffs, and it's something you're going to have to seriously consider. I still that's my feel is that he's back. That's a, that's fascinating because that is not that is not what I expected, and frankly, I think it's not what most people expect. I think I think most people outside of Toronto. Um, Think that Demari's going to, or not Demari? Think that Demar Derozan is going to get a a max deal from somebody else, and Masai Masai Jerry, the GM, will just say, "All right, it's been fun. Go have fun somewhere else." But um, but you're right that well, it's not. No, go ahead. Go ahead. It's def- definitely possible, and I mean the Lakers will be there looming with you know the siren call of of home. Right. Uh, Demar is from L. A. For those who don't know, I played at USC but for if a year. You're, you're Maasai, and like, what are the alternatives? Do you let Demar walk? Do you have a bit of money to spend? But do you like all of a sudden, okay, Kyle, we're going to trade you for whatever we can get. And then what do you do with Demari Carroll? And where does that leave you with Jonas Valanciunas? Uh, and not that I, I think those guys are untradeable or anything, but you know, when Maasai came here, uh, he said he very clearly did not want to be stuck in the middle. And, and somewhat Ironically, that's what happened with last year's results. Uh, so, you know, my, my gut is he continues trying to use his picks, use extra picks to improve around them. Uh, they're still going to have cap room because everybody's going to have cap room. And hopefully you hit on the right combination, combination of guys. That's sort of, you know, what happened with the Nuggets at, at the end of his tenure there. Like he, he built a, 50, I mean, nearly 60 win team without a true, true, true star. So I think, you know, I think he's going to try to keep pushing this forward rather than, than taking a step back. And I think that's what simply letting DeRozan walk would represent. No, that's a great point. And it's one I frankly hadn't thought about. And, um, and I, I think you're right. Now you mentioned Jonas Valanciunas, who's a guy that I, I wanted to get to, um, he surprised, I think, a lot of people this summer um, by agreeing to a contract extension with the Raptors. I believe it was four for 64, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought was a very fair deal uh, for Toronto, if not a, a great deal, um, given Jonas uh, is only turned 23 in May and, and is a, a durable, um, productive young player. Um this year, he, he missed a little bit of time. I believe he had a, a thumb injury, right? That surgery? Uh, he, he, broke a, he broke a bone in his hand on in his uh, hand, Kobe right. Bryant. Right, that's he right. Did not, he, he did not have surgery, but he, uh, yeah, he missed 
Oh, that's right. Okay. He opted uh, not to have surgery and recover. Yeah, that's right. Seventeen, seventeen games, I believe he missed. Right. So he, so he's averaging, he's averaging twelve and nine, um, and a block a game, and he's back now playing. Um, but where, where is his development right now? And you know, he's a guy that was a, he was a very high draft pick. He was a guy that had huge expectations coming in. And is, are we, are we getting to a point now that he's in his fourth year where are we wondering if there is if there isn't going to be a leap and if he is just going to be kind of this very good, you know, above average starting center in the league? Um, or do you think that it, it, given that he is 23, um, is it still too early to say that this is, a, that, you know, this is a guy that doesn't have more room to grow as a player? I think we're getting to that point where we can we can start talking about this is who he is rather than what he could be, but I wouldn't go there yet. I, I think whether the Raptors truly believe in him or not, this was less than Ennis Cantor money, right? So, oh, that was a great you contract. Find, you, you, great, great you contract. Find that, you find that deal and you deal with it later if you, if you really don't want him around. Um, but he, when he was out, there was a bit of the... Uh, and Bismack Biombo came in and did Bismack Biombo things and, <laughs> and, you know, like blocked and, and wagged his finger and blocked a lot of shots, wagged his finger a lot, you know, really, and I'm not disparaging Bismack Biombo. He's a fine backup center. He plays with lots of energy and passion. It's nice. But, you know, those are a lot of the things you don't always see with, Jonas Valanciunas, because he, he's sort of a, a more earthbound uh, player who doesn't necessarily make the game look easy all the time, but the team's just better with them. Like, I I sort of felt the need to write this, you know, uh, let's, let's calm down with, you know, let's let's move Jonas Valanciunas because it might be on the answer. I, I, don't, I don't hold that to be true. Uh, the, the Raptors are asking... Jonas to do a bit less defensively this year. They, they were very aggressive uh, guarding pick and rolls last year, and that sort of did not play well with his lack of foot speed. Uh, and I think the the results have been pretty positive. He's, he's sort of navigating that in between zone uh, of the ball handler and the roller a bit a bit better than he did last year because he has to just cover less ground uh, and. The team has actually been better. Or right when Valanciunas came back, the team was actually better with Biombo off the floor than with Biombo on the floor. Let's speak to you know they're finding a way to survive with Valanciunas at center. I, I think you know he's probably not going to ever be a huge defensive deterrent. Uh, you sort of want to see him make more leaps in terms of uh, vision with the ball. Uh, he still still can get. A bit, he can get a bit of tunnel vision, uh, but I think like there are subtle signs that he's improving, and uh, it's also a hard context for a young big man to fit in with two sort of ball dominant guards, right? Like, a, a, right, you know, they he gets he gets a few looks per game. He had a huge night against Brooklyn, as players tend to do. <laughs> right, but, uh, right. Uh, you know, he's still not a focal point of this offense. And yeah, so that's it, it remains murky and complicated. And I still believe in him. I do have questions about the fit if this is going to continue to be the Lowry and DeRozan show. Right. And that's what I have two more questions uh, after this one. But the, the first thing, real quick, is do you think Alan Chuse is capable of being a focal point of an offense, or do we just not know because? You know, like you said, the offense is so predicated on what Lowry and DeRozan do that he hasn't really had the opportunity to kind of sink or swim in that role regardless. Yeah, there's, there's probably not enough data yet. Uh, he sort of, he really has a hesitance to go to his left, or, or, uh, or he likes to go to his left shoulder and, and has trouble going the other way or is hesitant to do so maybe. Uh, so you would like to see him add a bit more to his post game, rather uh, other than just the, the righty hook shot and then turning the other way for a fall away jumper. But he's very effective, you know, with with, with those sort of looks. Uh, but I think 
we definitely can't say for sure, and my gut is he would have to become a better passer out of the post to sort of be that guy. And I don't think you can really do that until you get more reps in that position. Right. Uh, so, so that's sort of a, a big, uh, it's a big question mark right now. If I were a young developing team and I thought I could pry him away, I would be eager to find out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now, I mentioned earlier, uh, the Raptors are, are seven games over five they They're a game behind Chicago for second in the East. They're tied with Miami for third. They're also two games ahead of eighth and four games ahead of tenth. And actually, five games ahead of the Wizards in 11th, who they play, play tomorrow. Um, actually, Wizards are in 12th. Um, so the East is obviously very compact. But yeah. as as we get closer to the trade deadline here, do you think that the Raptors, I mean, you mentioned uh, Masai maybe using his picks to try to add some pieces. Do you see them as a team that could go out and add some some element between now and the trade deadline, or do you think it's more likely that um, they kind of ride this out and see how this year goes, and then there's more of that activity that you talked about this summer when they have to decide about re-signing DeRozan and maybe different directions they might go with the roster then? Yeah, I think we'll obviously have a better idea in a month than we do now. Uh, I think Masai Jerry sort of kicked himself a little bit for not being more aggressive last year and seeing sort of the signs that a lot of other people, or not to say he didn't see them, but he didn't act on the signs uh, that, that a lot of other people were talking about. Uh, I would be really surprised if the Raptors end up using all of these four first-round picks in the next few years. They're already committed to developing the likes of those, you know, Bruno Caboclo, along right and Lucas Nibera, my pal baby. Um, so uh, I, I, we can't say for sure they can really use a power forward or, or a bit of an upgrade at the power forward spot, even though Louis Scova has been more than they could have hoped for at the price they got him for. And Patrick Patterson starting to come on. Neither of them is really a starting caliber power forward. So if they can find a way to do that, That'd be great, but they also don't have a lot of movable contracts in, or in, in that in that sort of mid-level range, right? Because you've got Terrence Roth and Jonas Valanciunas who are signed to extensions that kick in next year, which means they have poison pill situations going on, and you have a lot of minimum or rookie contracts that you know aren't really that helpful in terms of making a trade. Uh, so I think. I think he's probably going to push either to look to add another wing or a, or a power forward. But I think they're in a position where it would be hard to actually put that trade together for a real difference maker. Right. Um, and you and you mentioned this earlier um, about about Dwayne Casey and about this this team. You know, kind of you know it being tough for them to bring back everybody this summer um, between him. Uh, DeRozan and Lowry, kind of like you said, and I agree, the three kind of faces of the of the this team right now. Um, if they don't make tangible steps forward, so you know, I, I guess you know, not to to put you in a corner, but do you do you think that the do you think that the Raptors, as of now, as you kind of survey the East, as muddled as it is, um, what are the chances that you think? Uh, what are the chances do you think that they can make that? that jump forward that they need to and if they don't it do you think that when you mentioned between Lowry DeRozan and Casey do you think that it's is there one of those guys that it's more likely than the others that doesn't come back if this group can't do the things that you that they hope that it can um can they make that jump yes but I'm still very unconvinced I would say which are like I and I think they're doing better than I expected. That we just haven't seen enough of of the them at full strength and, and enough evidence that this is really a changed identity that I that I can say for sure. And a lot of it's going to depend on matchups. Uh, and, and the East is just hard to. Pick. I mean, we've talked about this already, but it's just hard to pick. Through. Like after Cleveland, like who who do you like the best? You know, it's almost like a matter of taste. Like I, I, I think the Bulls are the next best bet, but I don't know. The Raptors could beat them in a series for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, of the three guys, I think 
think Casey is the easiest bet to not be here next year just because it's a lot easier to fire a coach than move players. Uh, DeRozan's obviously a free agent, so that would be a pretty easy non-move. But, you know, they've already changed Casey's staff twice uh, and he doesn't have any money left on his contract. I mean, he has an option that can be picked up, I believe. Uh, but if they were to let him go, then they wouldn't be eating any money. Not that this organization necessarily cares about one year of a coaching contract. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's been here for five years and had all these different staff and he can continue not to sort of deliver on his defense first philosophy and get the team to success. I think you, you know, it will be an even tougher sell than it was last year for Masai Ujiri to bring him back. I was, you know, sort of 50-50 at the end of last year, whether he'd be back, another first-round loss, and it's tough to envision the scenario in which he can even confront that, right? Unless there's some huge rash of injuries between now and then. Yeah, no, totally. And and I do, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, one final thing on Masai Ujiri. You did, you did mention that he was a guy that when he came in, he made it very clear that he didn't want to get stuck in the middle. And that's partly why he traded Rudy Gay. It seemed like that was the beginning of breaking things up. And then kind of, you know, backed his way into a... Um, into a team that now is, like you, you accurately said earlier, might be kind of stuck in the middle with the roster that it's got. And yeah. uh, do you, is there any sense from you that he is, um, I don't know if fr- frustrated might not be the right word, given that he is the GM of a team that is good and um, is entertaining to watch and, and is, is a playoff team. So it's, it's not like life is terrible, but do you do, do you, do you feel like there is some, if not regret or frustration, um, just some that, that maybe things haven't gone to this point, the way that, that he might have liked to if he could have scripted it out in terms of trying to set up this roster for the future? You know, I think he's fine. Um, I think he's excited about the young kids that they do have. He's excited about the daily team. Uh, it's more fun to be winning than losing, even if you have uh, you know, a, a bigger potential star to build around. Uh, you know, who you really want to be in Philly's shoes, not that they would be silly, but if they sort of get a, you know, 75% of what Philly did, then would they be having much fun right now? Like maybe the direction would be a bit more clear, but like he's a very competitive guy and he's faced with real urgent issues right now as opposed to just passing the time. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Uh, and, and maybe in terms of Ultimately, winning a championship, it's not the best route to take, but it's got to be a lot more fun to deal with on a day-to-day basis, right? Uh, so I think he's okay. Uh, a lot of what happens, how we ultimately view him, will depend on how these draft picks in the 20s work out, and we're still far away from being able to judge that. And, you know, he's, I think he's in a good place with, with what's going on. Maybe he's a bit surprised in how it worked out, but I think it's definitely in his mind beats the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Losing losing isn't fun, even if you're even if you even if it is maybe the the prudent way to go sometimes. So I'm sure well, he's, a, he's a hugely competitive guy, right? Like he cursed and before the last the last two playoff series. That's yes not, he did. Like, it's not it's not an affectation, you know? Like he's like he's really passionate and uh uh, you know, it's hard to get that passionate over a team that you know might top out at 25 or 30 wins. And this is more interesting, I'm sure, to him and uh, and to people like me. So, yeah, I'm all for whatever is happening. It's a lot better than what we could be. You know, God bless those beat writers in Philly. Yeah, yeah, you could be covering a team that that's perpetually winning fifteen games. Instead, you're covering a team that's trying to figure out if it can take the leap to being a really good team, which yeah. is a lot more yeah, instead of just a good team, which is a much more yeah. uh, much it's more entertaining more, thing to do. Yeah, and it's more intellectually and philosophically interesting than 
than it would be otherwise. I, I would certainly agree with that. So, um, Eric, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. Um, what, where can people find you on Twitter, and what would you like to plug? Um, so, yeah, eCoreen on Twitter, nationalpost.com slash sports. Uh, that's where all my stuff is, but I'll tweet most of my stuff two or three times. Uh, but, you know, spend time on the website, too, because we have other good writers doing good stuff. Uh, the post-up, we record weekly, myself and Holly McKenzie. Uh, you can find that on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, that's about it. Hoping to get a few longer things written in the near future, but I'm just getting off the ground now, but don't want to reveal state secrets quite yet. Uh, <laughs> totally but, understandable. But yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. That's great, man. Um, yeah, no, Eric's podcast is terrific with Holly and, uh, you should definitely check out his stuff, at the national post. It's some really, really thoughtful stuff, especially, um, you know, he's digging in on the Raptors, um, which, you know, you know, as we just said, are a very interesting team and, I do think sometimes to get back to one quick thing to get back to your final point, it does get kind of lost in a in a league where everyone is focused on you know can you win a championship? It isn't the worst thing to just be a fun good team for a while, and and uh, Toronto Toronto definitely fra- that. Especially given this franchise history, right? Like yeah, sure, yeah, you absolutely. Want, you want you want it to peak higher, but you really want another four or five year playoff left drought, you know, like. Uh, We've been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not great. No, it's not. Well. No, making the playoffs you is know? fun. Making the playoffs is yeah. fun, and being relevant is fun. And the Raptors are that. So yeah. Um, yeah. you can you can find my work at the Washington Post. Um, you can find me at Tim Bontemps on iTunes. Uh, please subscribe or on on Twitter, I should say. As for iTunes, you can find posting up there. Uh, please subscribe and give a review. That'd be great. Um, Eric, thanks again for the time. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks at the All Star Game. Thanks, Tim. Maybe Drake will be there. Yeah, let's hope so. The global ambassador for the Raptors has to be there, and it's good you mentioned him because we got him in on the podcast. They should have brought him up sooner. So, all right, man, thank you. Can't do a podcast without mentioning my boy, Drake. That's right. That's right. Sorry, man, thanks.